from Zamo Digital, welcome to the SaaS Marketing Superstars Podcast with your host, Aaron Sikowski. This is the show where we uncover proven growth strategies from CMOs and marketing leaders behind some of the fastest growing SaaS companies. Hey, superstars. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Aaron Zikowski, and today I'm chatting with Eric Melkor. Eric is the personalization geek at Optimunk, a website personalization tool used by over 30,000 websites. Hey, Eric, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm feeling pretty good. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing great. Super excited to have you on the show. Um, I've been aware, actually, of Optimunk for a long time. I remember using them years ago. Um, and would love to just learn more about you and the company. Yeah, no, 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 fantastic. I mean, if you've used Optimum before, you probably know we're one of the premier uh, pop-up tools available, but we've transitioned. We've gone from a pop-up tool to now a comprehensive website personalization platform that's really ideal for small and mid-sized businesses that want to surprise and delight um, you know, visitors that are coming from organically, paid social, or even global and so now we're just making that functionality available for not just e-commerce stores, but B2B and B2C players as well. Amazing. Um, so, so let's talk about it. You, you, you made a distinction in there. I guess we're jumping right into it between conversion rate optimization, which is kind of how I just think about it in general terms, versus I think the term you used was uh, website personalization. Is that right? Yeah, website personalization. Um, to go in, to go a little bit even deeper, um, we, we like to refer to it as customer value optimization, CVO. And CVO is basically trying to help the customer at every step in the journey by providing value and education. So instead of looking for that quick, that quick win by trying to uh, get somebody's email address very quick or trying to get the quick sale, uh, we're saying, hey, hold off on that. Think long term really try to give that person a very good experience, find out what stage of the journey that they're in, and then educate them wherever they are in that journey. And so that way, when they are purchase ready, they can come back to your site and uh, be your customer. And not just not just a one-time customer, but hopefully come back and be a repeat customer. Yeah, so I, I like what you said there, because now that I think about it, when I think about the term conversion rate optimization, the conversion is what I, as the, the business owner, as, as an entrepreneur, want. I want a conversion on my website. But when you flip it around and you think about the, the personalization or, or you, the term you used, you know, customer value optimization, you're thinking about it for the customer, not for the business. And, and as exactly. we know, that's just kind of what's working these days and, and probably has always been working. We just haven't had that focus as, as marketers as much is provide more value to the customer. And ultimately, long term, that'll pay off better for the business. Absolutely. I've been I've been a CRO person for years. I mean, I've played with different pop-ups, different AB, uh, A-B testing tools, heat maps, anything that I can do to get somebody to download a white paper, subscribe to my, uh, my newsletter, mm-hmm. um, or even just get that fir- first sale. And there's some tips and tricks, as you know, uh, by creating maybe a false sense of urgency with like a deadline. Hey, you've got two hours to take advantage of this, this discount, right? If you mm-hmm. want to get 20% off. Um, or other things like immediately showing a pop-up and saying, hey, give us your email address and you get 10% off, right? So there's all those little things that marketers have become accustomed to doing. Uh, but the thing is, it's really at the expense of that buying experience. And yeah. it's at the expense of of thinking long-term because maybe you get the quick win, um, but you're not getting them to come back. And it's really important to think long-term and get the person to come back because I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but a repeat customer spends usually two to three times the amount as a first-time buyer, right? And so, sure, you may get the short-term win, maybe you get the quick sale, but you're not getting 
really that lifetime value that you could be getting if you just take a step back and think, how can I really just make this a valuable and an enjoyable experience for the person rather than rather than trying to trick them into, uh, you know, doing a quick purchase or giving me their email address right up front. Right. So one of the things you mentioned is that, you know, we as marketers are accustomed to trying to gather, grab that information right away with a pop up or something like that. But I think the flip side of it, when I think about my own browsing habits, when I go onto websites as, as a consumer, I am accustomed to seeing those things and just immediately clicking the X and getting rid of them. I mean, I, I yeah. feel like just as we have banner blindness in terms of websites that we go to, we just kind of look past all the banner ads and all that kind of stuff. I feel like there's there's almost pop-up blindness that when something just pops up for me right around you and an exit intent, whatever it is, I, I almost never consider it. So I guess my, my my question is, you know, are these tactics still effective? And I'm guessing they are based on, on the growth of your company and, and your enthusiasm for it. But I'd be curious to hear, you know, the how it's evolved over time and how the things that we were doing, you know, five plus years ago as marketers are are work are continuing to work or or, or what's working better now? Absolutely. They they're still effective. Now, maybe the pop-up, I'm anti-pop-up as well. It's very rare that I will <laughs> that I will engage with the pop-up, but it's not so much the pop-up anymore, anymore that that people use Optimunk for. It's for the little things like, let me give you some examples here. So suppose you're getting global traffic and the global market right now this year is expected to be about $5.5 trillion globally for, for just global e-commerce. And that's going to continue to rise. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of retailers out there that are getting business um, you know, from global visitors. But we have a client, Woodhouse Clothing, for example. They're a U.S. retailer. If you were to visit their website from Romania, where I'm actually located at right now, once you get to their website and you were, you've been on their website for a little while, let's just say 15 seconds, you're going to see a side message appear that says, hey, welcome, Romania. Uh, you can shop in your local currency. Uh, we do ship to your country. And uh, all orders over 500 lei. Lei is the Romanian local currency here. Uh, shipping is free and all prices include uh, shipping and taxes or no taxes and, and fees. That is a that is a very nice message to see if you're an international visitor, because one, you establish trust. Two, you answered a lot of questions that the person may have had or may be wondering whether or not you, they even shipped to my location. Mm -hmm. Right. And three, it was done in a very. Uh, not in an intrusive way. It's just a little side message on on the side of the website here. So, as a you know, as a shopper, as an online shopper, wouldn't you find that to be effective uh, if you're going to a foreign website and you think, okay, great, I, I I do know that information now. That's that's convenient, and I don't have to go searching for it. That's that's a pretty good pop up experience, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it makes a yeah. lot of sense. I mean, it, it seems you know from a from a US centric perspective, um, it's, a, it's a smaller use case. Um, can, you, can you maybe share with us some, some examples of, of how companies are using it? Um, I, I guess maybe within like the main market, you know, for, for an American company focusing on American customers, as opposed to this international, which is a great case study or use case. Um, a couple yep. other tips and, and, and ways people use this in an effective way. Yeah, so we're primarily built for for e-commerce, um, but we do have a lot of customers that began using us that were not necessarily e-commerce, but B2B. So I'm going to share a couple of examples of what they're doing. Right. Uh, one of the things that they're doing is that we actually have this cool little reminder notification that deploys uh, when a person has been idle and they had started to complete a form, but they didn't finish the form. And so... 
after a certain amount of time, if they've been idle, there's like this little message that appears that says, we noticed that you're inactive. Do you need any assistance? Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the things that we, uh, we realized that a lot of our B2B uh, customers, they love that little functionality because sometimes it probably happens to you. You start working on a form, but then you hear the children that are fighting in the background or, you know, maybe the doorbell rings and it's a delivery person and then you lose track and you don't go, you don't go complete filling out that form. So that's like one little uh, thing that, that we have within the Optimunk uh, platform. Mm -hmm. um, but another, another thing that companies, regardless if they're B2B or B2C that they're using the platform for, is that it's very easy to adjust the headlines on your landing pages to the ad copy of your Facebook ads and your Google paid search media ads. Cool. So based on the UTM parameters that you put in those ads, you can actually just transfer those over to the platform. You don't have to create multiple landing pages, but you can actually, so if somebody's clicking on an ad, that's a, around, let's say it's about a blender and uh, the blender, uh, the ad is around the portability features. If they click on that ad, that's about the portability features. That's what the ad copy says. They're going to go to a landing page and the made headline, the value proposition is going to be around portability. Uh, so that's the other one of the other cool things that people are using the platform for. And I got, I got a couple other examples, but uh, I'll stop there and 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 just kind of let you digest those and let me know what you think about those so far. Yeah, I mean the truth is that last use case as a uh, as a paid ads agency that one's actually really interesting to me. So I'm actually curious how that would work and how the product works in terms of changing headlines and and, and copying things like that. So I'm assuming there'd be a script we put on the website and then you know and it could work on any website. It doesn't matter what platform I'm building in, right? Absolutely. We work with over hundred different uh, CRMs and uh, different WordPresses or websites like WordPress, uh, but it's a little JavaScript that you would put on the website. And then based on how you're, you're tagging your ads, usually UTM perimeters or UTM codes, you would just take those in, plug those into Optimunk. And then of course uh, you would specify which headline you want for each uh, UTM or each ad, mm -hmm. uh, but it's pretty, can be pretty easily done. Um, but it works great. We've seen, we have one client called Blendjet and, uh, they're seeing about a, a tick up of about 20 to 30%, uh, when they AB tested just the generic landing page versus the landing pages that feature headlines based are to mimic what those page search ads are. Search ads are. Mm -hmm. So, so that sounds like it's, it's a, it's a great, as you said, personalization without the, the customer even knowing there was a personalization being done. Right, there, there is no interference in, in their experience other than making it feel more relevant to them based on the way they flipped in. Absolutely, it's it's embedded content. It's not even a pop up. It's just mm -hmm. it's just part of the website. Yeah, amazing. Um, any other tips and recommendations you would have for for B two B or SaaS companies in terms of how to how to optimize their sites for better conversion, or rather than yeah. optimize for better conversion to give better value to the customers, we might say. Yeah, a couple other ones real quick. Um, so one, this is kind of like the global traffic example, but you can also just have a little message that appears, hey, you know, maybe if you have visitors coming from Australia and it says something like, you know, welcome Australia. Uh, we have real-time support from 8 a.m. to uh, 18 o'clock uh, GMT plus six, mm -hmm. which would show like their, their local hours. Uh, that's something that we've seen some of our, our clients do. Uh, another one is the conversational pop-up. And so if you have a visitor, you don't know how they got to their site. It's a first-time visitor. Uh, you can have just like a little message that appears that's asking them, what industry are they in? And give them a few choices. Maybe they're in the education uh, space or they're an agency or maybe they're in e-commerce or software space. 
And once they make that selection, uh, you can have another message that appears that says, fantastic. You may be interested in these customer success stories based on, you know, whatever they selected. And mm-hmm. so now you start personalizing that it, that experience in real time and start serving them the content that they're most likely interested in because they answer that little micro engagement question right there. Mm-hmm. I like that. So you shared with us a couple of uh, personalization tips and tricks. Are there any mistakes that are common that that you would you would warn uh, marketers to to avoid specifically for for B two B SaaS, but could be for e commerce also? Yeah, some things that I've seen for for B two B mistakes um, is the logo wall. And I've seen some B2B players only include logos of their biggest clients. And sometimes it's just enterprise clients. And so if you're a small startup and you go to that website, you make the assumption that, oh, they're only enterprise focused. Uh, They don't work for small players like me. And so they probably just leave the website. So I think Mm -hmm. that's a mistake. I think you should have a good mix of uh, the different logos that you work with big companies and small companies. Uh, another one is just not having a case study tied to the logos you do have on your website. So if you've got a really good logo or maybe even a testimonial uh, from a company there, it's a good idea to have some kind of case study that people can reference and learn more about why uh, that was successful. Uh, a couple other ones, not having a video testimonial. Uh, generally, you know, video is more believable. Um, text testimonials, they're great, but videos, you know, those are the ones that really stand out. Um, and then the other one, excuse me, the other one, of course, is having the same headline for every visitor, uh, that comes to your website from different channels, regardless if they came from a Facebook ad or if they came from SEO, or if they came from a paid search ad, Mm -hmm. you know, the same headline, no matter how good that copy is, the best copy is the one that is specifically written for a specific segment. And so that's the other mistake that I see as well. That makes a lot of sense. And, and it's funny you say about, about the logos. I've actually had people I've spoken with comment that they saw a bunch of big logos on my website and assumed that we were too big to work with them, which wasn't actually the case. And it actually made me go through my website and and add some of the uh, smaller companies that we've worked with successfully and, and add those. And, and uh, I think it has helped. So I, I think that's a great tip. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only other thing I'll say is that the platform is super easy to use. My two favorite words are no code. Uh, it's really designed for marketers. You don't really need a big IT team to do anything. If I can do it, I'm sure anybody can. I don't even know HTML, so that should tell that should tell you something. Uh-huh. Great. Um, well, this has been awesome. I've I've learned a lot. I'm sure uh, everybody else has learned a lot. Also, before we wrap up, we'd love to jump in a quick lightning round of some quick questions, quick answers, um, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. So first okay. question, is there a book that you would recommend to our, our listeners to read? Uh, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital. Um, I was just talking about this book today. I think it's Ryan Latka. Is he is the uh, author? Nathan Latka. Uh, Nathan Latka. Nathan Latka. Yeah. yeah, I've read that. It's a great one. Yeah, it, it's pretty good, right? There's a lot of useful information in there. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard that one recommended before on the, on the show, but... I'm going to, I'm going to second that one because I've enjoyed that read as well. Um, What is your favorite marketing productivity tool other than Optimunk? Text Expander. Um, It's a fairly, fairly new one. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of it, Aaron? I'm not sure, but I think it sounds like another tool, similar tool that I use. So uh, maybe explain what it is. Yeah. So it gives you the ability to just type in, you know, a few different keys, um, and then it's, it's, if you're copy and pasting a lot of things, this is perfect for you. 
And that copy and pasting, like the same thing over and over and over again, uh, this gives you the ability to just kind of like, just type a few different keys and then it'll automatically, you know, it would automatically paste into your email or paste on a LinkedIn post or paste into a Word document. Uh, I love it. It saves me a lot of time uh, every week, every month. And it's a tool. It's one of my favorite tools. I, I definitely don't see me not using it in, in the future. Yeah, that's that's what I thought you were going to describe. I am using something uh, similar to that, and, and it is a game changer. It saves me a lot of time. That's a great recommendation. Um, who's your favorite marketer or business leader that that you're you're following and learning from these days? Uh, Casey Hill. Uh, he is the growth head of growth at Bonjuro. Um, I, I think he's he's fantastic. Uh, he's yes. on LinkedIn, and he's very knowledgeable about many aspects of uh, growing a SaaS company. So. Yeah. Uh, Casey. Awesome. Yeah. Casey's awesome. I follow him as well. And uh, Bonjour actually used to be a client of, of Zama, of my agency. Um, awesome. And last question is, is where can listeners go to learn more about you? Yeah. Well, I also host a podcast called Innovators Can Laugh. So you can go to innovatorscanlaugh.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. So just search for Eric, E-R-I-C, Melkor on LinkedIn. Okay. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot and I'm sure the listeners are also. So uh, really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you, Aaron. Pleasure being here. The SaaS Marketing Superstars podcast is brought to you by Xamo Digital Marketing. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks again for tuning in and keep on growing your SaaS.